Let's take a moment to pray, friends. Father, we thank you for the gift of your word to us, and we ask that you would help us to understand your calling to us today. Amen. So it's said that Henri Nguyen um, once asked Mother Teresa for spiritual direction. Her response was this, spend one hour each day in adoration of your Lord, and never do anything that you know is wrong. Follow this and you'll be fine. Such simple yet profound advice. Worship is indeed the act of that abandoned heart adoring its God. It's a union that we crave, and yet few of us experience anything like this on a regular basis, let alone for an hour a day. But it's what we need. What counts is the posture of the soul involved and the open heart pouring forth its love towards God and communing with him. It's a question of desire in the end. Now this morning we use the summary of the law quite deliberately um, and we've, we've heard that and it runs like this. Let me read it to you again. Here is where the Lord our God is the only Lord. You should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. Clearly we are called to love God, the only Lord, with our all. Now today we're focused on how we might approach scripture in a way that challenges and touches our hearts, our souls, our mind and our strength. But first I want to look at these, those four parts to the call to the love, to, uh, to the call to love the Lord your God. So the heart, the soul, the mind, the strength. The heart, then, is about our will. It's the big decisions in life. It's choosing to marry. It's choosing where to live. It's what career path to follow. The big goals in life, if you like, our intentions. We're called, then, to love the Lord, our God, and honour him in those big decisions of life. The soul I'll come back to in a moment. The mind... The mind is about our thoughts, our feelings, all the ways a person is conscious of things. Often these thoughts and feelings flow through us in habitual patterns that by our willpower alone we cannot sustainably redirect. So here we find values and a conscience too. And the mind, I suggest, craves to be at peace. I think that's probably how we sleep, is when our minds are quietened. We can quieten our bodies, but minds can race on, can't they, through the night. And when our minds are quietened, then we get to sleep. So we're called to love the Lord our God with our minds as well. Recognising that we're called to have compassion on this world. And direct our thoughts and feelings to bringing glory to God. Our strength, then, is all about our bodies, the ability to move and breathe. And we learn a lot of things, sort of semi-automatically, a bit like driving a car or tying shoelaces. We don't give much explicit thought to some of those things. So we could argue that, again, our bodies have habits and certainly particular appetites. And we're called to love the Lord with our bodies as well. Recognising our bodies are indeed temples of the Holy Spirit, that we're called not to overconsume this world's resources and to live simply so that others might simply live. But to our facial expressions, our body language, our actions are all called into the frame as we love the Lord our God with our bodies. 
So let's think about the soul. The soul, the psyche. It's, a, it's the capacity we as humans have to integrate all of the parts, the heart, the mind and the strength into a single whole life so that we can be well connected to other people, to creation. We can be well connected to God himself. God made us to be rooted in him the way a tree is rooted by a life-giving stream. It's possibly easier to think about how a soul goes wrong. The double-minded in scripture are the di-tsukos. So the, the die, the two-souled, the, 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 the split-souled, the fractured-souled. So for example, James 1.8 has it that the double-minded man or person is unstable in all his ways. The one that is split-souled, the one that has a fractured soul, is unstable in all their ways. So it's when I say something like, I feel like my life is falling apart, that we recognise that we need to take some time for soul care. I think that's why Mother Teresa suggested an hour a day, an hour a day of adoration of our Lord as part of her suggestion. When we take time each day to still our bodies, to still our minds, to still our wills, and be in God's presence. Yes, perhaps offering thanksgiving, as Philippians 4 is last week's sermon, and perhaps offering thanksgiving to him in all circumstances for who he is and how much God loves us. But when we still ourselves, then we are bringing our souls to the Master for his empowering, his care, his balm. Now, most people find that starting with scripture, with the Bible, is a helpful way into doing this. To read a passage from the Bible slowly, a couple of times, and allow ourselves to enter in, to imagine the scene, to imagine the colours involved, to picture where you are in the story, all that helps to bring ourselves into the presence of God and put us in a place where we can receive from him. And there is indeed biblical encouragement for this. So, for example, Psalm 1 has it like this. Um, Blessed is the one who does not walk in, the, in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the seat's company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person who meditates is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither whatever they do prospers and so the psalm goes on but the person who meditates on his law day and night and that could be a meditation in terms of taking a verse, a phrase even and just having it in mind throughout the day. It could be that we take a larger passage and try to picture ourselves into that scene. Then, for example, in the New Testament, we have Hebrews 4, and we've heard that passage this morning. Um, that calling to make every effort to enter into that rest, that rest that God offers, that rest that God exampled in his Sabbath day rest. And notice it's so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. 
In other words, those that rest in God, as we rest in God, so we are orientated towards obedience, whereas those that don't rest in God are more inclined, I'm not saying they will, but they are more inclined to disobedience. So as we take time in God's presence, we are more inclined to obedience in terms of following God's ways and calling to us. And that verse is go on. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. So as we allow God's sight to penetrate us, so we discover God's calling to us and his empowering of us and his challenge to us to live our lives totally and utterly to his love and his glory. Clearly then, that rest in God can be entered by dwelling on the written word of God Thus it's feasible to start with scripture and posture ourselves to respond to the now word of God as we bring ourselves into the presence of the Almighty. By that I mean that we can read scripture slowly and reflectively, imagining the full scene, immersing ourselves in the bathwater of God's word, as it were, and in doing so, pressing pause on the world and its concerns. And then we are in a place to hear more clearly what God has to say to us today. Now that's what you might call a Sabbath rest. Putting aside the work of heart, mind and strength in order to enter adoration of our Lord. So we're going to take a couple of minutes to do that. And... In our evening services, we're working through Mark's Gospel at the moment. And although Mark's Gospel, tonight we're looking at chapter 5, I want to read to you the six verses that run at the end of Mark's Gospel, Mark chapter 4. Um, can you read it slowly, give you a chance to enter into the, the, the atmosphere, the scene. Imagine where you might be. Think of some of the colours and the, the smells and, and, and what it might be like in this scene. So I'd ask you at this point just to shut your eyes so you're not distracted by other people. We're not going to display the text because that would sort of defeat the object. Just think and use their imagination for a moment. That day... When evening had come, he said to his disciples, that is, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. So leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with them. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Jesus got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? 
do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. So leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Jesus got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind dried down, wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified. And they asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Thank you that your word is living and active. That it is indeed sharper than any two-edged sword. Thank you for the vast wealth of scripture that we have. The scenes that are depicted. The joys and yet the sorrows too that we read of. Thank you for the opportunity that you, we have in that you have given us brains and imaginations that we can indeed picture ourselves in the midst of the storm. That we can wonder whether indeed we would do as the disciples did. Would we be as terrified? Would we be awestruck? that clear obedience of the wind and the waves. Give us courage too to hear and respond rightly to your calling to us. Amen. We're going to continue to pray, actually, and I'm going to ask Adele to lead us in our prayers for the wider world.
Father God, thank you for your wonderful creation, for the diversity and richness we see in this area.